Hello and welcome to the Half Court Press Podcast. I'm Jimmy Watkins. He's Joel Lorenzi. He's wearing glasses. Are you usually wearing glasses? No. Okay. I'm watching film as we do this. He's watching film as we go. Dedicated. I'm also wearing glasses. I'm wearing glasses backwards. Mine are not real. Mine are blue light. Um, I basically go through a pair of blue light glasses once every three months. I tend to lose them as I do most things. And then I just say, I don't really need them. Then my eyes start hurting like they did earlier last week, and I go back to Walmart and drop another $15 on it. (laughs) Um, We are going to do basically exactly the same thing that we did last week with the Big Ten going through all the the returners and those who left in the key additions. Uh, But this time we're going to do it with the Big East, and we are going to ask two simple questions at the end of each little pod here. There are fewer Big East teams, so it shouldn't take as long. Um, Is this team better? Worse, the same, and are they a threat to Creighton, who I think we all just sort of generally accept is the Big East favorite this season. Yeah. Joel did a great job putting the stock together. I did a great job mucking it up by adding my own notes to it. That makes sense probably only to me. Um, But we're going to power through, and we are going to start with Providence, who finished 27-6 and last year, 14-3 and in the conference. That's their best record and finish since 96-97. They lost their... Leading score, their second leading score, uh, which would be Al Durham and Nate Watson. Justin Manaya started 25 games. Noah Horchler was their fourth leading scorer. A.J. Reeves started 25 games and their fifth leading scorer. They lost a lot. That's what we're saying here. Uh, Jared Bynum, sixth man, the third leading scorer. He's back. I think the offense is probably going to run through him this year. They also brought in a four-star guard named Jaden Pierre. Bryce Hopkins, a transfer from Kentucky. Devin Carter, a transfer from South Carolina. And now Noah Locke, a transfer from Louisville. Joel, better, worse, the same, and are they a threat to Creighton? Um, I think they're worse, but they're also still a, a good team. I think they're still like a top 50 team, definitely top like 40 to 50 range, I think. Um, and they could peak higher. I mean, that's just the course of the uh, college basketball season. But um, I think when you lose a guy like Al Durham, to me, that was he was a great first option, especially on a team like this. Uh, maybe not a blue blood first option, but on a team where uh, they probably peaked in terms of expectations for as long as I've been watching college basketball. I mean, this was the best I'd seen Providence ever. And um, Al Durham just felt like such a fitting first option. I mean, he was so clean. Navigating screens, getting to his spots, snake dribbles, mid-range, like just all the stuff you'd ask for in a guy who's really savvy on offense. And then Nate Watson was just like that that bully-type role man to just give you more actions. And so they had a good dynamic going. So to lose that and now uh, have Jared Bynum as probably, like you said, a guy who's going to get the keys. I mean, I like Jared Bynum. Granted, he's undersized. 5'10". But, yeah, but he's he's crafty. Um, he's good at what he does, right? And he extended his range. I mean, he was hitting some crazy shots last year. But at the same time, uh, I also think their losses plus uh, Jared Bynum possibly being their first option, I think it definitely lowers their ceiling to me. Um, I'd have to see how Jared Bynum progresses. But he's also pretty old as it stands. And I just don't know. 
how much higher that ceiling can go for him. Yeah, I think we know what Jared Bynum is. And generally, when you give someone more responsibility, their efficiency doesn't increase, especially a dude who's 5'10". He's going to have to work really hard. He's got a crafty game. He's got all the moves that he needs to get shots off and score at the rim for a dude his size. Um, and he's got some good vision. He, I think he averaged four assists per game last year, even as like the energizer bench guy. Um, but I just think you're sort of retooling everything else around him. Like the, the point you made about Watson being a, a great role man, that's hard, like, it's hard to replace that kind of chemistry, exactly. right? Yeah. Um, a guy like Bryce Hopkins, you, can, you look at him, oh, came from Kentucky, former four-star guy. That's exciting. He's not the typical, like he's not jumping out the gym. Yeah. He's not the flashiest player. It, it was a good recruit to Lando, I'd say. For I mean, sure. for, for Providence for sure. to... To come off, I think the year Providence had is what helped land a guy Absolutely. like that. But also, um, like you're kind of saying, it's not the surface level former four star. He was a high four star at that. Yeah. Obviously, he went to UK. So right. it's, it, you're right. It's not the surface level four star you would think. But it's a good trend for this team, I think, for you to lose all you lost and still, they're still really competitive. That's the biggest test for a team that has a big year like that is okay, what do you do now? Is that going to become an aberration, or is that going to become the standard? You're not going to be able to get back there right away, but can you build toward that? Can you maintain, can you mitigate the loss you have? One more quick note on the new guys they have. Two more quick notes, I'll say. Devin Carter, extremely cool hair. <laughs> kind of looks like Corbin Blue back in the day. Has, like, the bouncy curls. Uh, his hair is longer than Corbin Blue was. Do you know who Corbin Blue is? Of Joel? course. Come on. Oh, right. We're not, we're not that different in age. Come not on everyone watched High School Musical. I, well, I didn't, but it's, okay. it was hard to okay. not know who that was like growing up Devin Carter has cool hair uh jumper needs work but very cool hair Noah Locke (laughs) that dude uh just watching some highlights of him that dude takes crazy shots there was one one where he so he does the thing that Alonzo Verge liked to do last year where he does the it's like a it's it's sort of Dirkish Luka Doncic just sort of popularized it now as like a step back one footer one footer yeah um he's taking those Noah Locke took one of those from like 20 feet last year it's awesome, and he—he's a guy. He'll take—he'll take a handoff, no dribbles. Just I'm going up with it right now. He's going to be. I think Providence is going to have some wide swings um, from from their offense. They can be. They're going to be games where they look really good. Games where they look not so hot because some of the shots they take are going to be questionable. But I think a fun team. I agree with you. Not a threat to Creighton. Probably still a tournament team though. Next up, Villanova, thirty and eight, sixteen and four in conference a year ago, won the Big East tournament title, uh, beat Creighton to do so. Advanced to the Final Four. Ran into some injuries there. Um, Justin Moore tore his Achilles. He tore his Achilles during the Elite Eight game? Is that right? It was a long tournament yeah. run for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he's probably, we're probably still not going to see him. If we do, it would be at the very, 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 very end of the season. Yeah. Um, Colin Gillespie, the table setter and the table clearer. You know, the it's closer. The That's yeah. the, he was the guy that they put the ball in their hands, went in the ball in his hands when they needed something to happen. He's gone. Jermaine Samuels. Brian Antoine, a former highly touted recruit. Oh, and Jay Wright, one of the best college basketball coaches that we have seen has also gone. Kyle Neptune spent eight, assistants, eight seasons as Wright's assistant, so you would imagine not a ton's going to change. They, were ma- they managed to keep most of the rest of the core intact. Eric Dixon, Brandon Slater, Caleb Daniels, uh, Chris Ar- Archidiacono, Justin Moore, who again has the Achilles, are all back couple of top 60 recruits and cam whitmore and mark armstrong joel better worse the same and are they a threat to creighton um definitely worse 
um, Justin Moore is a big hit. But honestly, I don't. How would I phrase this? I don't feel like they could drop off too far. Like I would have to see them drop off far because it's still Villanova, right? Like you still got, like you said, Kyle Neptune has been in the fold for a while. I would have to see this thing plummet in action before I'm like, okay, yeah, like it's on the downhill. Um, I still think they'll be pretty close to the same program they were. And I think, like, I know you're not big on freshmen and all that. You're playing a narrative here. Look, I just don't think that you want your tr- a true freshman to be your guy. Well, guy. Well, look. With and Cam Whitmore maybe in that situation this year. With Cam Whitmore's game, and it's crazy because this is the type of program. He got crazy bounce, by the way. He's, My goodness. He's insanely bouncy. And the thing with Cam Whitmore, like I know programs like Nova and UNC, they'll take a five-star and turn them into a three-, four-year player, whatever, longer than a freshman. But Cam Whitmore, I honestly think he could have a year where, even though regardless, I think he's leaving, I think he can have a year there, even in their system, to where he's going to be a top 10 pick. I mean, most people project him top five. Um, so Cam Whitmore, like you said, super explosive. And he has the kind of game where maybe this team isn't going to hand him the keys, right? But he's just going to get his buckets within the offense and flow within it and, you know, spot up and take people off closeouts. And he's going to get to that rim regardless. And when he's there, I mean, it's going to get scary. And then Mark Armstrong. I like him too, by the way. Yeah, and Mark Armstrong is a real, like, East Coast guard. Not terrible sized, and he got a little bounce in him too. Like I'm watching him, like he and he's just like we talk about crafty guards. Like he's, I, I like him with the handle and just fitting into spaces he shouldn't be. The opportunity is going to be there for somebody to take an outsized role as a as a primary creator, and yeah. Whitmore's the one that that jumps off the page to me. I'm with you. I know Jay Wright is gone, and I do think that this program will feel the brunt of that loss at some point, but it takes a while. Yeah. Most of the infrastructure that he's built still lives on through these players and through Kyle Neptune. Um, the talent's still there. Most of these guys are guys that he brought in, right? So if Villanova does fall off, I don't know. If Villanova does fall off or whether it, whether it, the program remains at its, at its peak that it was at with Jay Wright, I don't know that we know the answer to that question right now. It's going to take a couple years. No doubt. And, and, Honestly, like, their losses hurt, too, right? Like, Colin Gillespie was a, a robot. Like, that's a closer if I've ever seen one. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a hard dude to replace. We talk about dudes that's hard to replace. And then Jermaine Samuels was, like, the perfect, like, just forward to have on your team. Like, on a winning team, like, that's probably mm-hmm. your starting forward. And that's anywhere. So, the, obviously, those are guys that are hard to replace. But – and I hate to be the one to use the word culture, but it's just – it feels like Nova – Right. It's true. Like, that culture is just – it's hard to see them being super worse. Like, I, I can't see a big drop-off at all. Are they a threat to Creighton? I think in... Because if they're not, I don't know who is. I think, I'll be honest with you. I think, in the, I think in the Big East schedule they are. I think they can maybe win a game. Maybe both. Maybe they find a way to win both. I don't know. But in terms of Big East tournament or, like, tournament-wise... To win the conference. To win the conference. I don't think so. I would say no, because okay. I, I, Creighton's probably my favorite right now. Okay. So. There's some pop here. Like, is, there's, I don't know that Creighton has a guy besides maybe Kaluma, but even then, a different level of pop with Cam Whitmore. Different okay. level of, of quickness and burst. So that'd be interesting to see what happens when they match up. Yeah. Next up, UConn. 23-10 and 10 a year ago, overall 13-6 and six in the conference, got bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament. We are saying goodbye to RJ Cole, Tyrese Martin, 
Rishul Don'ts, uh, Isaiah Wiley, Tyler Polagans, Jalen Gaffney, and we're bringing back Jordan Hawkins, Adama Sonogo. That's the guy who is going to command uh, most of the touches this year. Andre Jackson and Samson Johnson. Andre Jackson and Jordan Hawkins, uh, two f- former, formerly highly rated recruits who I think are going to step up into the, the vacated roles of R.J. Cole and Tyrese Martin. Uh, they added Donovan Klingen, a number 51 overall player in his class, a one center. Uh, these rankings all come from ESPN. We did 247 for the Big Ten because <laughs> I did that document. Joel did this one. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Hassan Diara, a uh, guard from Texas A&M. He's a transfer. Naheem Alain from Virginia Tech. He's a shooter. Tristan Newton from East Carolina is sort of a uh, – I guess he's more of your, your traditional point guard. Jumper needs a little bit work, uh, a little bit of work. What do you think of UConn? Better or worse, the same. Can they threaten Creighton? Um, this is another team where their losses are huge. But I still think – they're a top twenty-five-ish team. I um, I mean, you got a guy like Sonogo, like that's like a centerpiece on on most teams. I mean, he's a he's a force, and almost jo- went to Nebraska back in the day. Well, anyway, <laughs> Jordan Hawkins is uh, I think that's a guy people see making a bigger jump. Um, he's still like a secondary creator type, so um, it would take a big jump for him to maybe become your primary option, but like. Dude, like, R.J. Cole was, like, a really good point guard. And Tyrese Martin was a, a great first first option, second option at times. So it's like you lose guys like that, you're really depending on either running a lot through Sonogo or hoping that Jordan Hawkins makes a big enough jump to where they're, like, level options within the offense. And then Andre Jackson is, like, a good returner, great athlete. But, like, their losses are, like, hard to overcome. But I will say – um, with the guys they brought in, I always liked Hassan Diara, even if he didn't do a ton at Texas A&M. I thought Big, coming out of high school. 6'2", like 200 pounds. I always liked his shift and how he got to his buckets. Uh, Donovan Klingon is a good guy. to like. You're going to see all over the country how well, because this is the year of the bigs. I mean, you're seeing it um, in real time. Like You're going to watch how programs try to relieve their star big men um, I think it's going to be a big thing with Creighton and Kalkbrenner. Um, it's going to be a big thing anywhere. I mean, with Shibwe and and the Baycots of the world, like Sonogo, for him to have as much go as they want him to have, like they're going to need someone to back him up. And Klingon, I think, is the guy for them for the future. But he's going to be very important for them to to back up Sonogo this year. Particularly with as much as going to be on Sonogo's plate, him as being the, the primary help guy. Uh, they ask him to switch sometimes. And of course, he, I mean, he had, they were dumping the ball off to him a decent amount last year. That's only going to go, go up this year. That's, that's important to have a guy in place who can help them, help him out. And God forbid, if he gets in foul trouble, you want a capable guy, uh, behind him. I don't know if they have enough juice on the perimeter to be, <clears throat> to be 23 wins good, uh, again. Then again, I, I'm going through the Big East and I'll maybe tease a little bit of what we got coming up. It seems like I think when I, at the end of just based on the talent in, talent out transaction, I feel like most of these teams took a step back. Yeah. So someone is going to rise up from, you know, Creighton we all think is going to take even bigger jump this year than they did the last year, right? Someone is going to be, maybe it's all bunched up, but I do think someone is going to take and, and eat up a bunch of those wins that are out there to be had. Yeah. So maybe UConn, UConn could be that be kind of team because Sonogo is, um, 
sort of a, a different differentiator in this conference. There's not a ton of other bigs big in this league that, yeah. that, that are going to play through the big the same way you kind of. So it's a, you know, you got that sort of a, a curveball um, in the conference. Teams are going to have to prepare for this team a little bit differently than they prepare for other teams. It's interesting. This yeah. is an interesting team. And I, I think to your point, um, like as much as we've seen a lot of these teams lose like the top half of their core, like their first or second options or whatever it may be, I think what makes people so excited about the Big East this year, whether you're a national guy or you're just a Big East fan, like um, they really reached into the portal and it felt like every time you looked up, whether that's Rothstein tweeting or Goodman tweeting, like it was somebody going to the Big East. And I think you'll find some gold in some of these mid-major guys and then uh, I think you'll find some jumps maybe from some of the high major guys that are just looking for a fresh start. And I think UConn has an a interesting transfer in Tristan Newton, um, uh, Hassan Diara, like I mentioned. And um, frankly, I think you'll see that some of these teams, despite losing like good chunks of their core, like good dependable players, um, I think you'll see that they'll kind of revert or hover along close to the level they were maybe not Providence but like UConn like we've said like I think UConn can eat a lot of those wins like you said because of that we got an interesting backcourt situation here with Hawkins Jackson Diara and Newton I guess lean to it to a certain extent too I think they'll probably play three guards a decent amount of the time who would you think gets the the lion's share of those first two guard spot minutes assuming we're going traditional one two would you go Jackson Hawk, out of the combination of four, Jackson, Hawkins, Diara, and Newton, who's getting most of those minutes, you think? I'd have to see how, how much they trust Newton. Okay. But based on his numbers at East Carolina, um, let's say he goes from 18 points per game to 12 points per game. Like, that's a starter to me. Yeah, and he's a good distributor. Yeah. I think that's all they really need him to do. Yeah, and it, uh, I think you play him next to, to Hawkins because okay. I think – even if Hawkins doesn't make that jump, like he's like becomes like a guy where you can run him through pick and rolls constantly and stuff. He doesn't. If Newton's a good enough facilitator, I don't think Hawkins has to make that jump. I just think he can just be a better secondary creator and improve upon what he did last year in terms of just attacking closeout, slamming on duels, getting to the rim, uh, spotting up from three and one dribble pull ups, that type of stuff. You can count on Aline just spotting up around all this, whatever action they're running. It's nice to have a shooter that you can tuck or tuck anywhere around the. The arc as well. Moving on to Seton Hall, uh, twenty-one and eleven overall, eleven and eight in conference last year. They were a first-round exit in the NCAA tournament. Gone are Bryce Aiken, Miles K, Ike Obiagu, and Jared Roden, who was their leading scorer. Obiagu also was a big-time shot blocker. I think three point two blocks per game. So that's tough loss. Key returners: Kadari Richmond, their their point guard last year. Alexis Yetna, Jameer Harris, Trey Jackson, Tyrese Samuel, basically most of the core outside of the top three scores. Um, and then in terms of the addition, Alamir Dawes, the transfer from Clemson, uh, Jaquan Harris, three-star guard, Deontay Davis, three-star freshman guard, uh, Casey Indefo, who was basically the default five, default center for St. Peter's during Shout that tournament. Casey run. I really yeah, like Shaheen, Shaheen Holloway is the new coach here. We should mention the, the coach of St. Pete's who made the, the big tournament Cinderella run last year. Yep. Um, yeah, Casey and Defo, a fascinating guy that we'll get to. Dre Davis, transfer from Louisville. Femi Odekale, a transfer from Pitt. And Tay Davis, a three-star guy from Indy. This is an interesting team, man. Yeah. Seton Hall, better, worse, the same. Are they Are they? Uh, I think we both said no on UConn. Are they, are they a threat? Seton Hall, are they a threat? And are they better, worse, or the same? 
I don't know where <laughs> I want to figure. I don't know what I want to say about Seton Hall. Honestly, they gotta. I mean, the whole team like shifted almost from under them. Well, they they kept much of their core, right? But it's like a lot of the additions they had, like it's like they're going in a whole new direction around the core that they had. And um, granted, like Shaheen Holloway, I think is good. Like I saw this up close, like. He's good. You give him a good group of guards, and he'll run great stuff to get them the looks, uh, like corresponding to their skill set. And then, um, like you said, Casey and Defo was their default big. I mean, they had uh, they had another big man. He he's six seven, by the way. That's why he's the default big. Right. It's yeah. not what you would expect to see. And have a big man. And what's crazy is they got a few guys. Like you lose um, Ek Obiago. Like that's a seven two guy that's blocking shots. And now you look around the roster, and it's a lot of guys, maybe not a lot, but it's a handful of guys like Indefo who are, you know, bigger yeah. forwards. Or- Trey Davis is that same kind of guy, like defense first, hustle points, steals and scraps kind of guy. Yeah, Trey Jackson, Tyree Samuel, um, Alex uh, Yetna. Like these are, these are bigger forwards, right? And there's no real big. So I think it'll be interesting to see – what Shaheen does, I think, I mean, I think at their peak, they could be a... want to run, right? Yeah. And at their peak, I think they could be a really switchy team mm-hmm. if that's what they're looking forward to. But it's a real, like, guard-laden team, too. I mean, a lot of them are, like... They got size in the back, you know, Odakala's 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. Um, some of the newer, the younger kids, are like the, the three-star kid is 6'6", six, six, uh, yeah. Deontay Davis. They got some size. Yeah. And Dre Davis, 6'5". Yeah. He's kind of a forward, but... And I like the core they kept. Um, I like Kadari Richmond, mm-hmm. Yetna, you know, Harris, Trey Jackson is a, a very good athlete. Uh, Tyree Samuel. Um, these are this is a good core to keep. I was actually surprised they kept so much in this time of right. you know turnover. Impressive, um, especially when especially when their former head coach took a pretty good job at yeah. Maryland and probably gave him the, gave him a pretty hard pitch. Yeah, so it's hard to um, it's hard to gauge. Like it really depends on their their add-ons for me. And they got so many that are like similar mode, like three star freshman combo guards or like two guards or like that are undersized, like stuff like that. I think Alamir Dawes uh, probably Huge makes a difference piece. for them. Yeah. Huge swing piece. That's the kid. His highlight film is basically all step back threes. Yeah. Which I love. I love that. I love the audacity of that shot selection. I love him as a shot maker. It's just hard to live like that, man. No doubt. <laughs> like he was shooting really well, really high percentage on those shots last year, and he. He can miss. He can, you know, if he shoot. I think he shot like forty three percent on threes last year, and at one point he was up at forty eight percent, just blistering hot on these shots. If that's thirty seven percent, you're still a good three point shooter. But a lot of like, instead of scoring eleven points per game, you might be scoring seven or eight. So it's a, uh, it's kind of a, a crapshoot with this team. And then Femi Odakale is a guy like, yep. like the size, like some of the skills. The jumper is awkward looking. That limits what you can do. I think it, at the end of the day, I'm thinking it's pretty similar to what they were last year. It could be a good defense. Offense might depend on the day. And just because you don't have I, that. I think you kind of bend on Shaheen to, to yeah. make something. I just yes. And because you don't have the continuity that they had last year, all this new, new, new stuff that you're running, new guys that you're running it with, new roles for different guys, yeah. they'd probably take a slight step yeah. back, I and would I, guess. And it might take a while, but I think they – I think this team can peak at the right time. I mean, 
Sure. A, a Shaheen team has done that as recently <laughs> as in the past 12 months. True. So I'm betting on Shaheen, man. I like them. I think they might. Uh, it's hard for me to say they'll be better than last year, but I think out of all these teams, what I'm saying, they'll hover around close to where they were. I think this team might be okay. the closest to where they were last year. Okay. Next up is Marquette, 19 and 13 a year ago, 11 and 8 in Big East play, first round bounce. Lost a lot. Justin Lewis and Daryl Morcel, their top two scores. Greg Elliott and Kirk Quath, the starting Quath is the starting big man. Greg Elliott, uh, rotation guy, returners. Tyler Kolek, Olivier Maxence Prosper. How well do you think I did there, Joel? It's definitely Olivier. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then Oso Igodaro, uh, rotation guy last year. Additions. This is a team that surprised me in that didn't go super hard in the transfer portal. You know, they kind of they kind of want to rebuild it organically. Uh, they grabbed Ben Gold, a kid from New Zealand, who is an NBA Academy guy. Sean Jones, um, the player of the year in Ohio last year. Jonah Lucas, Chase Ross, Caleb Kozinski is a Kozinski's a walk on. And then the, the guy that stands out as as a as a grab from the portal is Zach Wrightstill, who was the NEIA player of the year last year um graduate transfer has one year of eligibility not much of a shooter but it has some impressive pop quick gets up there um not sure what role he plays in an on an offense and in the in the big east he's a little undersized like like i said not much of a shooter this team i could see taking a step back i think this team could be needs this year to maybe regroup um they already have a four star four star in the class next year but they just need some more oomph. Need some guy. Need some more shot creation. Need some more scoring ability. I think this team could take a step back. Joel. Um, man, I, I think, out of all the teams we're talking about, I think Marquette might take the biggest step back. Very possible. Um, Marquette was a very solid team last year. At their best, was like a top twenty-ish team. Um, and I remember being at. Hinkle, um, when they came to Indy and just watching Justin Lewis, mm. and I think he had 30 that day. And honestly, I think Butler won the game. They upset Marquette, but the shots Justin Lewis was hitting was like they sh- they should have won that game almost. And even down to the last buzzer, I'm like, yo, he's sh- he shooting this stuff? Like, that, that was a guy <laughs> like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, like crazy bag. Like, just I loved his game. You lose a first option like that, like it's downhill. And the number two, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's downhill. Um, I mean, I don't like who's going to be the number one option on this team. I, I don't know. Is. You know, and I I like Tyler Kolick on a team that's already established yeah. as your point guard. Yeah. Like I think that's where he did best last year. But uh, giving him the keys to possibly be like a first or second option on this team. I mean, you're looking at a a very down year. I don't. I don't know how much they're going to ask him to do this year. Um, and then it's not just Justin Lewis, right? Like you mentioned, like Daryl Morsell was a very pivotal player for them. You lose Greg Elliott at seven points per game. Kirk Quake was their starting big man. Like they lost a lot. And from what they gained, I mean, they they brought in like five freshmen. And mm-hmm. like one of them is like a, a walk-on. So, I mean, probably they definitely did the worst in the portal. I would say, I mean, they had probably the worst off season, And it's, it's gonna show. I mean, I don't. I don't really have any stock in this team. Maybe you know the idea, the theory behind going hard to with at the high school level and and skipping on the portal, or you know, if you miss out the portal, this is how you spin it to your fan base. Is maybe we're worse this year, but in three years, you know, 
Ben Gold, Sean Jones. Maybe that's your core, right? Yeah. I don't know about next year, though. Moving on. Xavier, 23-13, and 8-11 in Big East, Big East play. The NIT champs. Respect that banner. <laughs> Key losses, Paul Scruggs, Nate Johnson, both of whom averaged double digits last year. Dwan Odom transferred to Georgia State. Um, key returners, Jack Nunn's the leading scorer. Colby Jones, Zach Fremantle, Adam Kunkel, Jerome Hunter, and Sean Miller is back in college basketball. Checking his phones for wiretaps. In the in the doc, <laughs> in the doc, this man wrote Sean Miller, baby. <laughs> B-A-Y-B-E-E, all caps. He's back. Where, where it all started, he's already got a, a better recruiting class that, than Xavier has business bringing in. NCAA investigators, arm your phone lines. Mm. Cam Crafts, 6'4", off-guard, number 58 player in the ESPN 2022 class. Desmond Claude, a 6'5", guard, and a number 93 player in the ESPN class. They also brought in Soli Boom, a grad transfer from UTEP. Averaged about 20 a game at UTEP. Um, heavy jump, shoot, jump shooter guy. Doesn't, didn't get to the rim much at, at UTEP, and there's not a ton of spacing around him here. We'll see how that flushes itself out. Are they better, worse, or the same? And are they a threat to Creighton? Um, hmm. But they were 23 and 13. Hmm. I think I, if you – I think this team hovers around where it was last okay. year. Um, in terms of ads, Cam Craft is a really good recruit to me. Like, that's a dude. Like, I watched him play Mean Streets in Chicago. Like, he was really – like, he really popped to me. Um, so that's a guy for their future. It's going to be really impactful. Um, Desmond Cloud, I know a lot of people like him too. Um, and, and Sully Boom, like that's like his numbers like pop. Like he was mm-hmm. like a twenty point per game scorer. And I don't care where you played, if you average twenty like that, even if you cut that in half, which is like the floor to me for a twenty point per game scorer, is cutting that in half. That's still ten points per it's game. It's just to me the the concern to me. I had I've had multiple people, most multiple assistants in college basketball, basically tell me that the there's three kinds of transfers. You got guys who transfer down, guys who are at the same level, and guys who are coming up. And the guys who are coming up are always the riskiest guys because the level of competition, the size, the athleticism, the I mean, the coaching, the resources that are being poured in the program, everything's better now. Everything's better now. So yeah. if, you, if you're recruiting that guy to be the same, to play the same role, even if it's not the same production, I don't care if he scores 20 a game. I don't care how he scores. Is he going to score efficiently? Can he... Can he get to the rim? He ha- he didn't do that at UTEP, so why would he do that at this level? That's that's my question about about Boom. But they got a lot of a lot of guys around. I think if you put this team, um, this team that they have now in the Big East last year, they might take a slight step back. But again, there's a vacuum here. There were there are there's an absence of talent. It's a down. It's a worse league this year than it was last year. Yeah, I think there's, an I think there's some wins for Xavier. I think I like Xavier take a little bit of a step forward and make the tourney this year. I agree. I, th- I think there's an influx. Like, I think I'm trying to put this into there's words, but we keep describing. Here. Yeah, there's like an influx of mid-level impact players. Sure, but there's a there's a downfall of the guys who you could point to and say this is the first top of option. the pack this guys. Is yeah, the second option. But Jack Nunn's for this team. I mean, that's they they keep they kept a lot of their core, which I like right. too. Hard and, again, hard to do when the, amid a coaching change, but when you're hiring Sean Miller, baby, a little easier. Yeah, yeah, and and <laughs> and Jack Nunn's for what it's worth, like. You'll see, you'll see bigs in this league and across the country that'll dominate and be a team's first option and still not stretch the floor. And, I mean, he was like a 37% shooter from deep last year, which 
just the gravity alone means everything Extremely for a team. Yeah. yeah, for a team like like this and with ads like Sully Boom and Cam Craft, just to give them space. I mean, I I like their outlook and the core they kept in their ads. I I, I might have to agree with you. For example, yeah, you know if if you know Adama Sanogo or Cockburner end up getting matched up with with Nunge, they can. That's a guy who can pull the Cockburner away from the rim or Sanogo away from the rim, and just it it does so much for your guards. No doubt. Uh, speaking of guards, St. John's got a bunch of those guys. Seventeen and fifteen last year, eight and eleven in the Big East. Uh, it's about time for Anderson to start doing something yeah. uh, because the last two coaches at St. John's were fired after four years in Chris Mullen's case and in five years in Steve Lavin's case. This is year four for Mike Anderson. Both Chris Mullen, Chris Mullen went made the first four at least. He still got canned after four years. Steve Lavin made the tournament, and in his second year, I believe, he got canned after five years. Mike Anderson has done neither of those things, but the good news is I think this is one of the more talented teams, if not the most talented team he's had since he's been there. Key losses, Julian Champagne, the leading scorer. I love his name. I love saying it like that. Aaron Wheeler, double-digit scorer. He went to the draft. Another guy who's just like, hey, man, you probably didn't need to go. Didn't get drafted. Tariq Coburn, Steph Smith, returners. They return eight scholarship guys. Posh Alexander is the second leading scorer on the team from last year. And their top assist guy, Dylan Adewusu, was the second leading assist guy in the 38% three-point shooter. Joel Soriano, the starting center. Uh, Isaiah <coughs> Isaiah Nui uh, from Omaha Northwest. And former freshman Omar Stanley and Rafael Pinton entering their second year. Additions, A.J. Storr is a freshman from IMG, 6'6 yep. guard, top 100 guy. Andre Curbelo, who the Big Ten listeners of the pod know very well, um, transferred from Illinois. David Jones, transferred from DePaul, is an interesting player. Um, We'll get to him. Joel, better, worse, or the same, and are they a threat to Creighton? Better. Um, Agreed. I will say, if they were like a 50-ish team last year, they're like a top 40-ish team this year. I think you'll see a lot of teams in the Big East in that range of like 25 to like 45 of just teams that are probably good enough to make the tournament but not necessarily good enough for long enough that they're constantly in the top 25. I think you'll see teams peak in the top 25. But um, anyway, I think uh, the talent's definitely there, right? But the fit is a little weird, I'll say. It's interesting. It's, it's interesting um, because Curbelo's never been a shooter. No, um, he has not. <laughs> and I don't believe Posh, Posh Alexander is a Posh Alexander's not a shooter right. either. He's like, he, I think he shot below like 27% from yes. three last year. Right. Not great. Um, these this is your backcourt still, regardless. Like that's your starting backcourt. So it's an interesting yet clunky fit. It's a weird choice for Curbelo. Well, like, I think why you just want to be closer to home. Right, but don't and you, still be in a high major league. But you can also, you know, have the role you want. Yeah. <laughs> he I, needs the ball. I'm thinking maybe off the bench? One one of them has to make a jump in the direction of just Giving the others more space, like either yeah, Carmelo make to, has make to be a, a defense respect you as a shooter. Yeah, or Alexander has to be a better shooter. Now, um, in terms of defense, I think they'll be fine on yeah. on, on defense. Um, obviously, Posh Alexander um, can you know hide any mistakes from Carmelo or however that may unfold. But uh, the the offense is is clunky. And then again, like Carmelo wasn't the perfect offensive player himself like at his peak like he was a 
one of the best facilitators in the country, like super fast, gave you great dump down, great fees, probably fit some passes in some windows that many others couldn't. But he was also a very, he was a turnover machine. And so uh, my thing is I'm afraid if, you know, the floor shrinks on them, mm-hmm. the, the turnovers just increase. Um, that's on the surface their biggest problem, but the talent's there. I think the room for either to make that jump to help the other is there. And so that's why I think they're still like a 40-ish level team. I think this is the team that has the widest range between ceiling and floor. Sure. Because you look at you look at what it could be, this team wants to play fast. They played the number one adjusted tempo in the country last year. Well, they can do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anyone who gets the rebound on this team can push it. I mean, we didn't even talk about David Jones, who who further complicates the offensive spacing because he's a, like a 6'6 guy who does a lot of cool things and gets to the rim really well and is a really good athlete, good finisher, great rebounder for his size, doesn't shoot it very well. So that's, but he's, not, again, another guy who can get a rebound push. Andre Corbello can get a rebound push. Adewusu, same thing. Pasha Alexander, same thing. So they're going to be fun when it's working. Like the, the, the fulfilled vision of this team, it's super fun, could be really, really good. But like you said, if you get cramped down in the half court, if other teams can, can if you if teams can make you play against their set defenses, there's going to be either either somebody has to make a jump as a shooter, or somebody's going to have to take eat some humble pie and just take a, a lesser role than they expected coming in. Whether that's Carbello Jones or one of the incumbent guys, I would suspect that that's more likely to be one of the guys who were plucked outside the program. Yeah. Um, but to your point about Carbello, I have all these concerns about the fit. But then I just watched Illinois-Purdue on Martin Luther King Day last year, the double overtime game. He was so good in that game. His first game back from the concussion, he was so freaking good. So it's a worthy gamble. But you're gambling with, you're gambling with your job here, Mr. Anderson. This yeah. is a fascinating team. And I think, I think Curbelo, of all bets, is probably a bet I would make if I was a coach, like, hovering around a hot seat. Like, Curbelo, like, at his peak, such a such a good player, such a fun, exciting, fast player. And a player. fun dude to play with. Like, yeah. at his peak, he's not trying to get his. He's trying to set you up. That's yeah. the kind of guy that dudes love to play with. It's just that if guys aren't guarding him, it's hard for him to create an advantage, right? And yeah. that there's, if you can't, if you keep, if someone's standing in the free throw line against you, you're not going to force rotation. And then your best, um, your best skill, which is his vision, kind of becomes negated. So he's he's got to work on that. And, f- and f- frankly, I'd, I remember the splits like late season for when he was on and off the floor, and they were bad. bad. Um, Illinois was just better without him last year. Yeah, man. So I. I for what it's worth, I hope things work out for him there. I, I, I want that. I think this team, like this, is the team on their best night can beat Creighton because they're going. Sure. Creighton's going to play that. their style. They're going to run with them. Yeah, and I'll take that. there's there's a lot of a lot of good talent on this team. But if there also is, oh, it could also be a thirty point loss. <laughs> yeah, if, I'm about to say if there is any team that could probably shrink the floor, it might be right. Creighton. And to the there. to that point, I think the two game Creighton beat them both times last year. One was by three. One was by twenty three. Mm-hmm. So. Just to further illustrate that point. Now, well, by the way, we're, you know saving, we're saving Creighton for what's up. I was just about to say, I, I realize Creighton is not We're saving on Creighton here. for the end. That's yeah. intentional because I don't want people to just go five minutes in and, and dip out. Not that I would accuse anyone of doing that anyways. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get into the rough patches of the Big East. DePaul, 15 and 16 a year ago. Wait, six, okay, let me, let me pose this question before we do what's this. Up? Do you think the rough patches of the Big East – are worse than the rough patches of Ooh, the Big Ten? That's a good question. Uh, I don't think there's a team on here worse than Northwestern. Georgetown's more talented, but like 
no one in the Big well, Ten Georgetown, can say they lost 21 games in a row. I don't think Georgetown <laughs> this year is going to be the worst team in the Big East. Okay. I don't know if they will be. Okay. I think they with all I the just talent, think, like, 21 losses in a row. I have 20 on here, but oh, they it was 21. Horrible, yeah. They're so bad. Yeah. So bad. Was, I just need, like, I don't, like, Northwestern was a 500 team last year and may and may mess around and figure out a way to get close-ish to that again. There is no, I, I think this year, there's definitely more talent towards the bottom of the Big East, for sure. But I don't know, some of these teams, like, DePaul has a chance to get pretty ugly. Uh, Georgetown, I know they've got the influx of talent, but if you're, we'll get to Georgetown. I think that has a chance to still get ugly, even though the, the talent is, is better. Butler, I think, is going to be better. Uh, on the whole, the talent, again, better in the Big East. The Big Ten, the, the bottom of the Big Ten just has a better track record, I would say, than some of these teams. Again, minus Butler. So DePaul, 15-16 and 16 last year, 6-14 and 14 in the Big East. Two, two winning seasons in 16 years since joining the Big East. That's not good. You're a Chicago guy, Joel. Why is this program situated in the heart of one of the country's most talented cities, particularly for basketball, yeah. so bad? Why? Um... I think DePaul just has no appeal. We're long past the days of Corey Maggette and those guys, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is, there's no appeal to not only stay home as a Chicago guy, but there's, um, I think the appeal for the Big East has just really started picking back up. Uh, but if you're going to go anywhere in the Big East, why the hell would you go to DePaul, right? And so um, I think you're, you're seeing a lot of guys like, like Dede Ames from Kenwood is like a top sixty recruit, and he uh, ends up at Kansas State. Like, right. there's just better recruiters out there, frankly. Yeah. And DePaul just hasn't been in the limelight for a long time. Now, I will say, picking up Javon Liberty, Javon Freeman Liberty, was a huge get for them. That's a Chicago guy, and he becomes your the face of your team. Twenty two like points per game, and six and fourteen in the Big East. You need to win. Yeah. You need to win. You need you need to grab one of those guys and make him a star of a winning team. Yeah. When it when a program like in that sort of situation is dormant for so long, it's because they have no they have no social currency in the city. No one no one cares about DePaul because they've been bad forever. Yeah. Kids want to go where the Illinois is only two hours away. There you go. So there you go. So that's that's where DePaul, that's where DePaul's at. The key yeah. losses include Javon Freeman Liberty, who Huge loss. as we mentioned, twenty two a game last year. This is Not another great. team that lost their first option and that's yep. a and big their drop one. off. And their third one. David Jones, as we just mentioned, yeah. is a transfer to St. John's. Brandon Johnson is gone as well. Uh, Nick Onjenda, Jalen Terry, Javon Johnson, Philman Gebruit, Yorane are all back. This was a transfer laden roster anyway. Terry came from Oregon. Johnson came from Iowa State. Uh, I forget where Renee came from, but he is also a transfer. They did add, however, they Zion. Got, they got some good additions, I think. Yeah, like if add. this was any other Big East team, <laughs> I would be talking about them way better. <laughs> Zion Cruz, a four-star freshman. Um, Umaha Gibson, transfer from Oklahoma that Nebraska was looking at this offseason. I'm not a huge fan. Ahmad Bynum, fr- uh, four-star freshman from Simeon. Caleb Murphy is a transfer from South Florida, former four-star kid. KT Ramey, a junior college kid. And Earl Penn, a Long Island transfer who was getting 17 a game at Long Island. Interesting. Uh, better, worse, or the same? We know they're not a contender. Yeah, uh, worse. Um, but I will say, Zion Cruz, that's a guy like similar frame to Freeman, Liberty. Um, 
and frankly, I think that's a guy like if you want to put hope in any recruit, like that's that's that guy to me. Like real flashy, real crafty, good East Coast game to him. Got the frame to you know make leaps and bounds in this conference. And frankly, I think if he stays there, like that's their first option for years to come to me. Um, but I just don't know. If I, he stays there, is like maybe the biggest if. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean like, it's very unpredictable. I'd probably bet on him not staying there. Right. Frankly, this but, is where we're at as a yeah. as a college basketball existence. Like th- this kid may well flash this year. DePaul may have some intriguing moments, but if it go if the season goes the way we think it's going to go, even if like they could exceed expectations, like my expectations for them are pretty low, near or at the bottom of this conference. They could exceed that and still not come close to sniffing the tournament. And if you're Zion Cruz, you watch that happen. You go through that. You you know you see a bunch of other people leaving the program. And yeah. It's like what that's am I, probably a guy. You know what was crazy? What I'd am I be, doing? I bet that he transferred somewhere else in the Big East. Yeah, I'd, I'd, very I'd possible. But <clears throat> they do have an interesting group of guys that they brought in in terms of guards. Right, like Caleb Murphy was a guy who can't shoot though. I don't like guys who can't shoot. Sure, but he was a he was the first option at USF. Like that's it's sure. interesting. And he, yeah. as a recruit, like I remember when he when he came from Georgia, like I really liked him in high school. Like I used to, I think he used to play with BJ Boston. Okay, and then transferred the year Not after the Clippers. that. Um, so uh, I liked him back then. Definitely gonna have to make a jump to be this team's first or second option. But frankly, I think. Um, I can't bet on who will be their first option, but I think he's pretty. I guess Gibson I think, from Oklahoma. I don't know, man. He's going to shoot a lot. Well, well, <laughs> I can tell you that. Well, I remember when he was with Oklahoma, like on the team, because when I was covering Mizzou, that was their first round matchup in the tournament, mm-hmm. and he was great in his role, but his role was like spot up, uh, attack, pull up guy. He was more of a pull up guy last year. He was their leading scorer last year. He's not again. I'm not saying that's a good first option. I'm just telling you the guy wants he likes taking shots. And yeah, I, just, I don't like I just where else like, is it coming from? I just feel like his game is more like secondary creator type. Okay. Like, I, I think Caleb Murphy probably got the ball in his hands more. I don't know. Not saying he'll be a great first option. Maybe it's Zion Cruz. Maybe they yeah. let him get the keys early. I don't know. Here's just a quick rundown of Caleb Murphy at USF. Again, AAC, this is a talent bump for him. Last year, 11 points per game. Okay, I'm intrigued. 41% from the field. 20% from three, didn't take a ton, and 54% from the free throw line, which is what you look for for, hey, maybe he's not a good three-point shooter, but what if he could, oh, he shoots 50% from the free throw line. <laughs> I'm just underwhelmed. I'm underwhelmed by him. I'm underwhelmed a little bit by Gibson. Um, I, like the, I like the young guys. Hope they stay. Hope yeah. they stay. It would make the conference. Amar Bynum show is a, a lot, good recruit, too, yeah. Yeah, from Simeon. It would, it would make the, this show a lot more interesting next year <laughs> if, this, if those guys stay. We shall see. Yeah. Next up is Butler, fourteen and nineteen last year, six and fourteen a year. Or I'm sorry, in the Big East a year ago, key losses include Bo Hodges, Bryce Golden, Aaron Thompson, and Bryce Nizzi. Key, return, key returners include Chuck Harris, who was the leading scorer as a sophomore, eleven points per game. Miles Tate, former top 100 guy. Jaden Taylor started 20 games, and Seamus Lukosius, 21 minutes per game in 32 games last year. They added Eric Hunter Jr. from Purdue as a transfer, grad transfer. Manning Pates, another nice pickup, transfer from NC State who got hurt last year. Ali Ali, shooter from Akron. Uh, Connor Turnbull's a freshman. Jalen Thomas was a Georgia State guy. He's the number five player in blocks in Georgia State history. Better or worse are the same, Joel? Um, I think it's – it feels – 
easy for this team to maybe not easy. It feels like this team should improve on 14 and 19, right? Like they should yeah. be at 500 this year. Um, but I'm not super high on this team. Um, I think Chuck Harris was, uh, it's great that they brought Chuck Harris back, but losing Bo Hodges was huge. Uh, Bryce Golden, um, not the most dominant big, and they definitely took a different direction in the front court, but that's another guy with gravity beyond the arc, even if on low volume, just the threat alone, spaces the floor. Uh, Bryce Enzi, good rebounder, just a solid front court guy. And then Aaron Thompson, I think, is like the leader in uh, assists over there. Uh, he broke some record last year. I can't remember, but that's a, a great point guard. And so I think they managed to, you know, fill the point guard spot. And Eric Hunter, I think he'll maybe have to maybe be expected to take on a bigger load. Yeah, he's going to have Purdue. to show us something he didn't show at Purdue. Yeah, Which no is possible because there's a lot of talent over there. Yeah, but um, in terms of the front court, like, they they took an interesting direction. Turnbull, I know, is a guy that turns some heads in the, the St. Louis area. Um, he's still a freshman though, and then Manny Bates, big time bully and and rim protector and and floor runner, um, who should definitely. I mean, he's no Bryce Golden. Like Bryce no. Golden was a, a stretch big. Like this is a dude that yeah, he's more vertical gravity. Yeah, really yeah. gonna pound some heads. And then uh, Jalen Thomas, another guy who can you know man Back the rim. Big. Yeah. So they they're taking a different direction, which is cool, um, but it feels like. Less space, and um, yeah. I don't know where that leaves this team. They'll be they'll be a better defending team. Right. Um, I mean, last year their numbers, I think they were like two hundred and like sixtieth defending uh, inside the three point arc. Now they got two legit rim protectors that'll help. They were already, by the way they they were that bad inside the defending inside the three point arc, and they were still like a borderline top one hundred defense. So yeah. defense is the reason to be optimistic here. This is gonna be a rock fight team, though. Yeah, not yeah, gonna be no the doubt. best watch. And I think, I think they're really excited. I mean, Chuck Harris, that's that's a lead guard for you to to bring back. I think him and Eric Hunter side by side. Like, I think Eric Hunter low key needs a guy like that next mm-hmm. to him. Um, it, he looked really good next to Ivy last year. Right. And Chuck Harris isn't. He's not as talented as Ivy, right? But that's right. another guy you could play him side by side with. Who they'll make each other look good. Uh, Simon Lukosius is a guy I know people were super excited about. Just a really interesting game. Um, and then Jaden Taylor was the freshman last year who people were also optimistic about uh, in terms of making a jump this year. So they got an interesting core, um, and the ads are interesting, right? But I don't know if I see this team super far past 500. Like, I, I'm just not too high on them. But improving upon 14 to 19 feels inevitable for them. I agree with that. When it comes when it comes to these rock fight teams, they're going to play good defense. They're going to struggle to score. A lot of it comes down to who wins the last two minutes. And who are you going to give the ball to in the last two minutes? We'll see. It, d- it depends on who you're playing that night and who's got the hot hand on your team. Yeah. But Butler's going to be in a lot of those games. Yeah. Next up, we got Georgetown. <laughs> and it was rough. Yeah. It was so rough last Jeez. year. 6-25. and 0-19. Uh, That's right. 0-19 in the Big East last year. Lost their last 21 games. Lost their last 21 games. If anyone besides Patrick Ewing was the coach of this team... Probably gets fired midseason, but definitely gets fired at some point. Patrick Ewing is back, though. He still brings with him some recruiting juice. He did lose Amin Mohamed, who was their five-star guy, their, by far their most promising player. Last year, Donald Carey transferred. Um, Colin Holloway transferred as well. The key returners include Dante Harris, Ryan Matumbo. Yes, that Matumbo, Dikembe's kid, 7'2 sophomore. Uh, additions, Primo Spears, Jay Heath. 
Primo Spears comes from Duquesne. Jay Heath, number two scorer at ASU last year, Arizona uh, State. Brandon Murray, highly touted freshman last year at LSU. He's good. Uh, Double-digit scorer at LSU last year. Devin Anglin, uh, number 82 guy in the 2022 class, according to ESPN, a 6'1 guard. Bryson Mazzone, South Carolina upstate transfer. He's a shooter. Wayne Bristol Jr., transfer from Howard. Interesting case there. Uh, the former MEAC freshman of the year. RJ Cole came from Howard. Yeah. Yeah. This guy was the freshman of the year in 2019-20, I believe. Hasn't played since then. So not really sure what you're getting there, but interesting. Uh, three-star Deontay Bates. Oh, we should mention also uh, Wahab, the, the Maryland center, Quotus Wahab, who played at Maryland last year, played at Georgetown two years ago when Georgetown actually won the Big East tournament and made the NCAA tournament. If that doesn't happen, Patrick Ewan's probably not the coach here. So that's interesting. Also, uh, Cock from UConn, transferred, uh, rebounding guy, hit threes in, in small doses, and the last guy is Bradley Izawiro from LSU who went to Oak Hill and did not play a ton last year. Fourth best transfer class in the country per 247. Encouraging. Some young guys in the program now that are highly rated still. Encouraging. Yeah. Georgetown brand still has some weight. Patrick Ewing's name still has some weight. Is it going to work? Are they better? Probably. It can't be much worse. How much better? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I look around a roster... And I don't see a talent like Aminu Muhammad, right? Like, that's it's not there. But I will say, Jay Heath, good pickup. Uh, Brandon Murray, really good pickup. I liked him at LSU. Um, I'd have to see who takes the reins as the, the guy they're running things through because right. Brandon Murray, as good as he is, that's a guy you run stuff for but maybe don't run your offense through. Um so again, like they have, they got, they picked up guys. Like they picked up guys. Um, and as much as I want to say, well, no, I will say they'll be better because there's no way in hell a season loses every or a team loses every conference game two straight seasons. It's an right? impressive it's, feat it's, to do it once. Yeah, so t- twice is impossible. Uh, that's that's Wilt level <laughs> uh, greatness. We need to start talking but, about like, like <laughs> soccer style. Um, relegation if you lose mm. if you lose that kind yeah. of games or that level of games again yeah. is bad. Yeah. Putting um, up numbers in the worst way. But, um, yeah, so I, I think they'll be better. Um, but, yeah, we're probably still looking at a team at the bottom of the conference for sure. My question is, what's a guy, what's a guy got to do to get fired? <laughs> well, frankly, I think I like, think what are the, what's the ex, like what's the, the, the benchmark where it's like, all right, Patrick, if you win – 13 games are you back look, look 14 games i think this is the scenario four big east games two big east games i think it's a it's a tough cold saturday in february um they lose to depaul by 15 at home <laughs> and pat Rough. ewing is in the gym after hours just sitting there looking at his feet dwelling on what has been and he says, maybe it's time to part ways. I think that's the only okay. way this thing happens, is okay. if the, the two sides mutually part ways. I don't think well, he There's no fired. way they're going to announce that he gets fired. But, like, <laughs> I don't think I don't he, I don't think he, he, may, he may well be like, wow, I'm embarrassing myself. Like, yeah. I need to get out of here. Or this he is has not to step for me. down. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. Doubt, yeah. May, that may well happen. But there's definitely no chance that that, that uh, press release is going to say anything but mutually agreed to part ways. That's yeah. for sure. I don't know what the standard is. I just think it's an interesting question to consider. Okay, you made it this far. Congratulations. You get to come <laughs> get to the point that you've been waiting for the entire time. We're talking about Creighton. Yes, sir. And we're gonna, I'm going to try and do this straight from memory. Gone are Ryan Hawkins. 
Uh-huh. Alex O'Connell. Yeah. Rati Andronikashvili. Yeah. Recent and, departure. Yeah, recent departure. And Keyshawn or Keyshawn Keyshawn Fazili. Fizil. 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 Did I yeah. miss one? Am I missing one? No, I don't think so. I'm not. Okay, cool. Uh, new additions: Francisco Farabello, Ben Schultzman, Schultzberg, Schultzberg, Fred King. Mm-hmm. I'm missing one, right? New additions. Farabello, we probably should have wrote this down, huh? <laughs> Fred King. I thought I could, I thought I could do this from the top of my head. No, I thought I could too. Schultzman, Fred King. Is there another freshman, right? Farabello. Oh, yeah, Jason Green. Yeah, Jason Green. Thank you. The Millard North kid. My goodness. We're old. Um, no, we're, that's the thing. We're not. It's really concerning. Our we're, minds we're not, are old. We're not old. We're just, we got a lot going on right yeah. now. Okay? Um, bear with us. And then, of course, Baylor Shireman yeah. from South Dakota State, who you all know well. And then we got Trey Alexander back, Ryan Nemhard back, Arthur Kaluma, Ryan Kalkbrenner, Sharif Mitch will be back from injury. Yeah. It's a nice group. Yeah. It's a nice group. I think we again. Oh, we additions. Uh, Fran Frabello too. Fran Frabello. I think I said him, but I appreciate you adding yeah. that anyways. In case I didn't, um, it's a good group, man. I think we agree they're better. I think we agree that they're the favorites in the Big East. Yeah. My question for you, Joel, is what is the thi- what is the X factor that Creighton needs to? Okay, Creighton needs to do this. To be an, a national power, and then what Ooh. could what could stop them from winning the Big East? I think there's a few things. Okay. Um, stop them from winning the Big East. I think it it takes you know how Doctor Strange in a movie how he's like there's there's one in a million and five hundred thousand <laughs> uh, realities. So you gotta, we got to open a bunch of portals for them to not win. I the think Big there's East. like yes, yeah. Kyle I, Neptune's writing this on his on his bulletin. That's what right I'm trying now. to say. Yeah. So he's, he, he's saying people Neptune are counting Villanova out. Maybe he got to recruit Doctor Strange's little brother or something. Get him on his staff or something. I don't know, but Doctor Strange's dad named a s- assistant to the head coach <laughs> at Villanova. Yeah, something like that. But uh, yeah, man, Creighton. In terms of what they got to do to really be the national power that they are projected to be, and maybe you could. Um, we, I mean, the light went out on us. That's fine. We don't need it right now. We're in the dark. Everything. The equipment still works. Sure. We're gonna record in the dark for okay, this part. Cool. So. Um, they need a few things to go right. I think um, you look at this lineup, and what makes Creighton so promising is that unlike these teams, they don't lose their first option, right? They don't lose their second or their third, and they probably add a guy who could be their first option in Baylor Charmin. Like, nobody has this level of continuity. I mean, you look around the country, and it's hard to find this level of continuity and promise and guys who make – that jump from their freshman to sophomore year, I mean, people are really expecting big jumps out of uh, the guys who were freshmen last year. And then Kalk Brenner is one of the better centerpieces to me in the country. Um, and this is still a team, like I'm saying all this, but Kaluma could probably be their best player. I mean, to me, he's their most talented player. That's the guy that's going to get drafted highest to me. So um, with all that being said, for this thing to go right, for them to go as far as they want to, they need a voice first. They need a, a true leader. Is something the program's talked about a lot recently. They lost that in Hawkins. Um, they talk about him a lot. Like when I talked to to Mac uh, from my notebook a few weeks ago, he mentioned Hawkins um, just on the defensive side, like being a, a real communicator and leader on that end. Granted, anybody could blow by him, right? Like we could probably give him a little one-two, right? <laughs> But he's calling out the help. He's calling out the sets. And he played so much college basketball. Like, it's hard to replace that. Like, dude was, like, two-time player of the year in his former league, right? Yeah. So, like, 
uh, it's hard to replace that level of experience and just recognizing sets like recognition on the floor. Yeah, on defense, that falls on the big man, right? So Cockburner's the natural slot in there. On offense, it's the point guard, Ryan Nemhard. That would be, I think, a departure from both of those guys' natural personalities, right? I mean, at least for Cockburner. I know Cockburner better than Nemhard because that's the guy that I talked to last year. Nemhard was hurt while I was out there. Cockburner's, like, not an extrovert. He's not one of the louder guys out there. So for him to be a quarterback of a defense will force him outside of his skin, naturally. And I think, frankly, like... I don't think – I don't know if they expect him to become the voice of this team. I don't know if he needs to become the I mean, voice of this team. He doesn't need to be a rah-rah guy, but just calling out defenses and, and being that yeah. sort of – like he has the best view of the floor. It's I, naturally I think he's just such a great moments. anchor already anyway. Yes. That it's like even if he's yeah, quiet he can, as a he's mouse. He's definitely a lead-by-example guy. Yeah, and uh, I think if you're looking for a guy – because they do need that voice, right? Like they got – you probably look at this team and, I mean – Across the whole starting lineup, you're wondering, like, who's going to be right. the leading scorer and who's going to be the guy maybe to close games, right? And I think the interesting thing about them is uh, it's going to be a nightly thing. You're going to see different guys, probably different looks. Uh, um, not in terms of closing lineups. I think they're set on their closing lineup is what everybody in the world right, thinks it'll starters. be. But um, I think in terms of who's got the ball in their hands in those final moments, I think you could see that change nightly. Um and that's what poses the problem. Even though they have so many options on offense and it leads to no broken possessions, you need some decisiveness, right? You need some selfishness at times to really get that out the way and be like, okay, I'm going to be the one that, to put the shot up. And from what I'm understanding, I think the staff really likes Trey Alexander to be a voice and okay. be a guy who, when his team needs a pickup, when his team needs some decisiveness, Trey Alexander might be that voice. And um, for what it's worth... You lose Alex O'Connell, so you need a guy who you can point to the next, you know, the other team's perimeter player and be like, pick him up. Mm-hmm. It seems like Trey Alexander is going to be that guy too. Yeah. I think you have it right about the the decisiveness point. This, the, the tired argument, the argument that or the narrative that's coming around creating the question is, oh, there's only one ball. How are they going to all right, shoot yeah. it with one ball? I think they have it backwards. It's like all these guys are going to be so extra cautious of not trying to step on each other that you might have, you know, overpassing or indecisive. Like, oh, I want to go here, but like, is, am I, should I be, you know, am I breaking off a play when I do this or, you know, is someone else open? Like there could be, it's more that I'm more worried about that. And that would, to me would be the, if they don't win the conference, I think they're going to win the conference. It would be that it takes longer than we expect for that part of it to gel. They lose a couple of dumb conference games early on in the conference schedule. It ends up being really close, and, you know, maybe Villanova, you know, loses less of a step than we think, and it's not that, you know, they're that much better than Creighton. It's just that them and Creighton are both that much better than the Big East, and Creighton took a little bit longer to get there. I still think they're going to win the conference, but that would be the reasons why. And then that's... And, and, and to the, your point, I think if anybody's going to overpass or over to my understanding that might be Shireman because he mm-hmm. is such a great facilitator and, when and he's to, the new guy and he's yeah. when you're the new guy on a team that has that you know had a great run last year and already has a good chemistry you're going to be very conscious about I don't want to mess this up no doubt and when I talked to Mac he was like even in the summer sessions he saw like Shireman's a great shooter and there were some shots that he wished he would have pulled but instead passed them off to get another guy a look or or whatever the case may be like that's 
it's definitely a problem that can happen. Now, I think they have good problems, though, still. It's oh, a great problem uh, to have. Yeah. All, and, these, all these other teams we're talking about would die for these problems. Yeah, and um, for what it's worth, like we talked about um, guys having to back their their lead big, like a Sonogo, like a Kalkmanner. Like, I think, to my understanding, and when I wrote, when I wrote that story, um, people kind of... I don't know if they twisted words, but they got geeked. They clinged on to a few words for sure. So what I wrote was Ben Schultzberg feels like um, feels like the most ready to contribute among the freshmen. Now, when you lay it out, Jason Green missed a big part of the summer. Um, he's back now, and from what I understand, he looks good, but um, just a hard rotation to crack as a freshman, right? Um, Fred King is a guy who... Frankly, the staff likes as a long term as an NBA guy, and I I could see it. Like um, anyone that big could be an NBA guy. Yeah, and like, yeah, good point. <laughs> and so, um, Fred King will play this year. Like, I don't want people to be like, "Oh, you don't think he's gonna play?" Well, I I will say I thought because Kaluma was so good in the looks that they had him at the five. I thought they would experiment with that more. Maybe that seems more like a matchup thing now, like a game by game thing. I still think you'll see it. I still think you'll see it. Yeah, you'll definitely see it. I don't know how often, but um, I think you can expect Fred King to back Hawk Runner like ten to fifteen minutes a night. Uh, I'd say somewhere in the middle there, probably like twelve ish minutes, and I think he'll do just fine. I think he's progressing at such a speed that the staff is confident that. And granted. Some of that is still going to be throwing him in the fire because, like I said, I don't think he's the most ready to contribute among the freshmen. Like, he's going to get tossed in the fire. They're lucky that their first games are, like, against, like, Drury and Holy Cross and whatnot, like, shit buyout games. But, like, um, their schedule gets tough. And so some of that is going to be him still getting tossed in the fire. But I think he'll, down the stretch, like, by March, you'll see a way better player to where he'll probably be – a better contributor than Fizel was last year. I don't know. But um, he'll definitely play. I think Schultzberg is still going to find a way to play because if you ask me, I think Sharif Mitchell, there's no way he doesn't play. Right. Um, just based on his role the year before last and um, just what he brings back, defense. Institutional knowledge is key. Yeah. yeah. He's just he's good in his role. Um Guy this year really confident in playing 15, 20 minutes. I think he'll play closer to 20 this year. Um, and then that leaves the rest of that guard core on the bench, right? Like Farabello, who's a – you know what he – Shooter. Yeah, shooter. You know what you get from him. Uh, Christophilus is in the mix right. somehow. Um, Schultzberg. Um, There's a numbers crunch here. One of these guys is not going to be in the mix. Yeah. So. And I think if I had to make a bet, I mean, it's it feels like Farabello, because I'm hearing that he can be that voice too, just off – experience old. older than the rest of the you guys know, you know so, what I mean? yeah. so um i don't know man like i think that's good enough to keep farabello in a rotation but at the same time like just pure skill to me i i think schultzberg ends up higher by the end of the year like, that would be my bet like i think schultzberg is a really talented player that's what i wanted people to get from that i don't want people to think oh yeah he's gonna play right away He's going to get humbled a lot of nights because they are just so deep in that backcourt. Um, but for the future, he's nice, bro. And frankly, for right now, I think he'll find a way to crack that rotation. All right, that's the Big East <clears throat> offseason retool. Real quick before we go, first of all, 
We didn't do the rap minute this week. I'll tell everyone, listen to the J.I.D. album. It's really good. I have it. Okay, everyone should, including <laughs> Joel. Real quick, Joel, give me a 30-second take on Donovan Mitchell to the Cavs. Oh, it's fire. Um, new 2K team. Uh, I think three first. I think it's and two, two pick, pick swaps. swaps. And Sexton, then Lori and Ochai Agbaji. Sexton was, felt like a sign and trade thing regardless, Sexton right? Like, is like, Sexton is like off-brand Donovan Mitchell. Is what hey, he is. I think Lori did a fine job last year in what they asked with the the clunky three big thing at the time. Like mm-hmm. I think it, it worked pretty well, and he did his fair share within that. Um, and then what they give up? Okai, mm-hmm. um, Abaji. Uh, I feel bad for him. Like it definitely sucks He'll to play. go to Utah. He's gonna play yeah. a lot now. Oh no he doubt, would play a lot for Cavs too. They yeah. have no wings, and that's still true after this trade. But yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I don't know. He still got to live in Utah, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that you know what? Let me let me stop. But um, for the Cavs, I mean, this is great. This is dope. I mean, Donovan has defense to back him. We were kind of talking about this before. The backcourt defense is gonna be real bad. Man, it just is. I'm telling you, o- Okoro on the nail behind him is gonna cover all that up. He's gonna be right How there. How much to- is he gonna play though? He can't shoot. Yeah, but you got two great shooters there. You got hopefully Mobley. One's gonna have the ball all the time. Yeah, hope Jared Allen can't shoot. Obviously, yeah, but you can't change it anytime soon. You can't play another non-shooter. This, this, the I the NBA, the court I, shrinks real quick. I man. can see this. I can see this lineup. I think they're going to be good, but sure, you got yeah. more work to do. Got to no get some wing depth in there. So but it definitely, league. it definitely raises the ceiling. Crazy, oh, for crazy sure. for them. I think crazy. they're like I a like four it. or fifth seed for sure. Honestly, you look at who wins titles. I mean, besides Steph, Steph is is the exception, not the rule. Guys who win titles: Giannis, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron. Kevin Durant, big people, big, wing, yeah, big yeah. people win titles. The Cavs have built their team around two tiny guys. Is Evan Mobley the next? Is he next? Is up? he that kind of guy? That's the that's the wild card here. That's, I, I, I that's think why, he makes that's a huge fun to talk year. about this. Yeah. Sure, and going forward, I mean, the kid's only what nineteen twenty, so yeah. he's the wild card in all this. But the Cavs have committed most of their resources to two tiny guys in a league where big guys win. Interesting. That'll do it for the podcast. I'm Jimmy. He's Joel. Stick with us at the Bell. World Herald.